It's become almost like cliche, you know, and, and we say the right things and we do the right things when, when we're in church and we come together and we know, you know, what so many of those scriptures uh, that are familiar to us and that we could recite, which are good things in and of themselves. I'm not saying that they're negative in any way, but what we don't want to do is to just like kind of gloss over, just to kind of take it for granted. He is great. He is great. And he should be praised greatly. Man, he, he, he saved us. You know, mostly everybody in this room who uh, understands what being born again is, you are heaven bound. You're, you, you are going to heaven. You have nothing to fear as it relates to the hereafter. If the breath was to leave your body today, you're, you're going to be present with him. Um, if he splits the sky before we finish this message, you're going to be with him. Hallelujah. He's great. And he saved us. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. There are uh, a handful of things that are, that are happening. I want you to continue to pray uh, for the direction. Obviously, we have some folks out. I hope that uh, you will check with some of those people. That's one of the advantages and disadvantages, um, as it were, with a small church. You can't, it's hard to disappear. So uh, when, you're, when you're here, you're noticed, and when you're not here, you're noticed. So uh, I hope that you would, uh, let's check on those who are not here, and let's make sure that if they need anything, that um, their needs are taken care of. Amen. If they're ill, let's make sure that we're taking care of them. Let's make sure that they also understand that they're missed, they're part of the family, and they're missed. Amen? Amen. But there are uh, uh, a few things happening. You know, Miss Christina mentioned in the announcements about the 23rd, and I, I wish, I really hope that you all will be there. I know it might be a little bit inconvenient for some. It may be a little bit more of a drive, and certainly the earlier time, especially when you have young ones that you need to get ready and so on and so forth. But I really hope that you'll be there. Um, I, I really think that the Lord is, um, is, is there, there are going to be some things that are happening with Heart of Worship Church, whether it be... Uh, that combination, or whether it be we just go out on our own to a new location. There are, there are possibilities, my brothers and sisters, and there are decisions that we're going to have to make as a congregation. Um, the leadership team will we'll have to make a, a decision, and I hope the decision um, is, is very soon. However, it's all going to be according to God. It's not going to be according, I've said this before and I'll continue to say it, it's not according to Michelle and I or even just to one, two, three, four people. Uh, and, and that's why I really covet your prayers, that God would lead, God and direct, and we would make decisions that are totally based on where God would have us to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. By faith. And it's like that in everything that we do, in everything that we say. We should not go forward, we should not move, we should not do anything unless we've prayed about it, unless... We know that God is in it, and God is the one that's taking care of it for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So with that in mind and heart, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we've come together. You are our great and mighty God. There's, there is no other. We honor you this morning, Lord. We've honored you with our song, with our prayers already. But, Father, as we continue in this portion of the service, in this, this, this time that we've dedicated to you, Father, Help us again not to just be satisfied with Wednesdays and Sundays as dedicating our time to you, Father, but I pray that you would stir us in our hearts that all the time, all the time we are mindful of you and that our lives belong to you, that 
as you've told us in your word, that it is our reasonable service to make our bodies a living sacrifice to you. Father, easy to say, easy to recite, easy to memorize those words, hard to get down on the inside of us. So let everything that we do, the rest of this service, Father, help push us in that direction, help teach us, lead us, and guide us in that direction that we may be able to leave out of here, Father, more, uh, more ready to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. Father, that's our desire. I know that there are many in here that would say, that is our desire. So Father, in Jesus' name, do your work in us as we share your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we're going to begin in Hebrews. I know a lot of this. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm just going to forewarn you. There's, there's a lot of scripture, and this is going to be one of those, you know, teaching, preaching messages, which, what, who am I kidding? That's most of them. What am I talking about? It's going to be one of those teaching, preaching messages. But, uh, but I really, uh, I want, I'm going to give you the partial, as I normally do. Uh, it's topical, but at the same time, I'm going to give you an expository kind of thing. I'm going to, I'm going to show you some of the exegete from this, and then we're going to apply it. So help me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, look at that, the evidence of things not seen. My brothers and sisters, and we've been in that, and we've even shared it again on Wednesday, we've been in that for a little while, but I want to bring to you the Amplified. Now, faith is the assurance... Now, again, extending that, the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things that we hope for. So what is that saying? As many of you heard me say, a very simple way of saying this is you already own it. You have the title deed. How many of you have mortgages on your house? Yeah, you don't have the deed yet, do you, if you're still making payments? Right? Jesus paid it all. Amen. <laughs> Man, I'm about to get excited already. Jesus already paid. He paid it all. And so now by faith, we, we have it. Now, we don't have our full sanctification. We're going to get that now, right? Now in part, then face to face, we'll be like him, right? We'll know him because we're going to be like him, like he is now, that glory. But he has given us the glory that he had while he was here. So we already have. Hallelujah. And he sealed us with his spirit. So we already have. Hallelujah. Let's now let's continue. Being the proof, right? Proof of things we do not see and the conviction of the reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not received or is not realized in the senses. Do you see that? So faith, look at faith has the proof, the evidence, the conviction. We already received it, we, right? Even though the senses haven't experienced it yet, we already receive it. We have proof Conviction, we've already received it. Evidence, proof. See, now if you look at these words or that word evidence, how it's translated from the Greek, it's translated, it could be translated conviction, proof, the, all of those words. And see, I, I wanted you to see how this evidence, proof, and conviction all kind of work together. Amen. But I want to start here. A formal declaration that someone, this is conviction, a formal declaration that someone is guilty of a criminal offense. This is the most probably common uh, definition that we all understand. It's like when someone's convicted of a crime. Um, how about now a firmly held belief or opinion, like you are convicted, you have a, you have a conviction, right? This means that you have a conviction. You, you, you have a firmly held belief. This is your belief. This is what you hold on the inside of you. You're convicted over this. You, there's a conviction, right? All right, a firmly held belief or opinion. But this, this one is the one 
This definition is what the King James or what the Word of God is absolutely speaking to. The quality of showing that one is firmly convinced of what one believes or says. Did you see that? The quality of showing that you're convinced. It's showing. It's not just saying it. It's showing it. Isn't that what we've said over the last couple of weeks and then including on Wednesday? It's your life, the way you're living your life shows that you are absolutely 100% in belief of whatever it is. You hold those beliefs. As it relates to our belief in Christ Jesus, as it relates to our, us being Christians, it absolutely, our walk, the way we walk shows what we absolutely believe. Right? That's what it's saying. So watch. Michael said it. Michael talked about healing a little while ago when he prayed. By his stripes we were healed. It says that he's our Jehovah Rapha. You heard me quote that so many times. And you know what? I know that most of you don't need to hear me quote that because you know it. But so now here's the problem. We have to go ahead and get that knowledge in, from our heads to our hearts and then from our hearts to our action. Amen. We have to then walk like we know that we've received healing. Right? Come on. It's that way with anybody in anything. Anything that we receive from God, we receive by faith, right? It starts there. Doesn't it say that um, uh, we have to believe that he, first thing is that we have to believe that he is. He is what? He is God. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Didn't we read that word together before? Absolutely we have. First thing is you have to believe that he's God. You go to him and you receive him by faith. You receive by faith the payment that Jesus made for you at the cross. Amen. You receive that by faith. You become born again by faith. Amen. I don't look the same on the outside as I did when I was 24. <laughs> but basically I'm the same person on the outside just aging, right? Amen. But on the inside, totally different. Totally different than when, see, something happened. On, he changed me on the inside. And so now look, even though the body is basically the same body, just aging, right? But on the inside, something should be different, and it causes this body to act and react differently. Why? Because the conviction, right? The evidence, the proof, the faith is, oh, man, I love this word. I love this word, and it, but... But at the same time, I understand that it's so rudimentary. It's so basic. But my brothers and sisters, the reason why I keep bringing you and reminding you of these things is because I see in our church, in our church and in his church in general, in Christianity today, in America, I can only speak to that. There's, there's nothing happening as it relates to what he did in the early church. You know, there's still people walking around in depression. There's still marriages crumbling. The, mar the, the, the rate of divorce inside the church is the same as the outside the church. There's still struggles and there's still all of these things with fornication, adultery, lying, cheating, everything. It's in the church. That's why we need to go ahead and we need to, we need to be faithful in these little things. Hallelujah. Boy, I could have let it go right there, but I'm not. I'm going to read to you from Galatians in chapter 5, verse 16. Again, I know this is something that you're all familiar with. I'm going to be reading from uh, 5, uh, 16, and we'll see where we go. I'm supposed to be 21, but I'm, not, I'm feeling something different today. But I'm walking by faith, not how I feel or by sight. Amen. So we're going to give it to God. Amen. Verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So I want to clarify, some of us may have been a while since we've been in there. Look, it might be your intention to do those things that God has called you to do. But because you still live in his fleshly body, unless you're doing it by the spirit, you're going to follow the lust of your flesh. Why? Because this body still has those appetites and desires, those natural things that we were born with. Right? All right. So, but you've got to follow the Spirit. That's why God has planted His, His Word in our hearts. And God, Well, we have to put it in our hearts. God has given us His Word. We planted it in our hearts. He's given us His Holy Spirit. Amen? And so we walk to give us understanding so that we understand what His will is, and then we walk according to it. He's given us the power to walk according to it. Now in verse 18... But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, again, that's the kind of thing that people don't go to church to hear these days. Nevertheless, it's so imperative that we share this. Why? Why is it important? Well, I'm, I'm, I, I want to, to um, just highlight a couple of things. Galatians 5.19, remember what, what it just said. Now the works of the flesh are evident. You see that word? The works of the flesh are evident. They're evident. They're seen. They're lived out. They can convict you. <laughs> I'm going to read some, some this is the same passage now, but I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because I think it would be just a, a lot easier for you to understand. And then it won't be my words. You'll see. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, what you got with Adam, the results are very clear. It's evident. It's very clear. Sexual immorality, right? See, what, so now what, wait, what's what's saying? What is it saying? Sexual immorality is the evidence that you're not walking according to the spirit, but you're walking according to the flesh, right? Is that did I make that up? No. Impurity, lustful pleasures, Idolatry. Anybody have uh, statues or totem poles in your yard? No. But again, that doesn't necessarily the only... Um, yeah, that, that, that's not the only indication that we may be idol worshipers. Right? So for some of us, again, I know I'm repetitive, but you're going to have to listen. You came. Maybe that's why they didn't... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, idolatry. Do you honor your job before God? Do you honor some of the things that you have before God? Money, someone said. Is money more important to you than God? That becomes your idol. Sorcery. Now, I would, I, I would absolutely venture to say that there's no one in here practicing white or black magic. There's no witches or warlocks in here and all that. Okay, But let me just tell you, let me inform you, and some of you may know this, that word sorcery, it comes from the word pharmakeia, which we get our 
word pharmacy from? So you know what that word is saying? Drugs. Alcohol. Tony, the, the, you know, it's okay to sell dope. It's okay to smoke dope. It's legal now. Hmm. They're using it for medicinal purposes, aren't they? That's the big thing. That's the big scam now. It's okay because they're using it for medicinal purposes. You can even get it for your animals now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, wait. So, so listen to me. How many, how much of, the, I'm, see, I'm the pastor. I'm, I'm a pastor now. I'm not, uh, yeah, the world, they got their issues. They've got their stuff. I'm concerned now what's happening in the church. See, we have so many people on so many medications and drugs in the church to take the edge off. And after all, in the culture, it's not looked down upon like it once was even when we were youngsters. See, they're, they're making things differently. You know, and, and alcohol. Alcohol is just as bad. People are taking alcohol to anesthetize themselves, to escape, and they're, and they're addicted to it. Listen, uh, my brothers and sisters, sometimes it's just absolutely positively spiritual, but we also know that it is also physiological, right. that your body develops a physical dependency on it, right? But there is certainly the spiritual attributes or the spiritual implications of these things. And that's why it's named in this Bible. That's why it's named, and that's why they called it out. They, the apostles, by the Holy Spirit, called it out. And we should learn from that. Amen. I'm not so quick to take medication for this, or get drugged up for that, or get drugged. Now listen, I am not, and don't walk away from here all mad at me. Pastor Tony said I'm not allowed to take medicine. That's not what I'm saying. It's not. Well, what are you saying? I'm saying be careful about it. Amen. Be careful about it. How many, you know what? The president talks about one of the things that, that he wants to stop the border, uh, this, the, this migration, this, this, this stuff that's happening, is because of the drug e epidemic. And, the, and, and, and let me just also add this, and the human trafficking that's happening. As a, that's happening. It's a real thing. But it's become this political football so that even someone like me can't have it, mention it from the pulpit be, without making people mad because then all of a sudden I'm taking a political stance. I'm not taking a political stance. I'm taking a spiritual stance. I am a pastor of a last day congregation. I am a pastor of his church. I know what his word says, you see. And his word is saying, look out for the drugs. That's sorcery. And, it's, uh, and, and here's what else. I don't have any right to own people. And what are those young people being used for? Sexual immorality. Everything that the Bible tells us that we should not walk in, that's what this thing is going on. That's what, exactly what's going on. And look at the way it's affecting the culture and society. And then we close our ears to it because not in my neighborhood. Not in my church. Listen, you would be surprised at the people that we've had going in and out of this church, what their pasts were and what their presents are. Right. And you let them in? Yes. 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 And amen. Because this is where you get well. This is where you get loved on. This is where you say, this is where you get taught. You don't have to do that anymore. Jesus made a way. Hallelujah. And while you're working it out, we're going to work it out with you. Hallelujah.
That's what the church of God is all about. What we won't do is say, oh, you're okay. It's okay. Grace has got you covered. No! No! What we're saying is, listen, you could be free from that. You know why it's so important that you be free from that? Let me go on just a little bit because I'll just stay here all day. (laughs) Idolatry, sorcery, hostility. Man, is that happening in our culture right now? Oh my gosh, is it happening in a church? It happened in the church when I was way back in Carolina. I sat in the wrong seat one day and some lady almost had me thrown out by the ushers. No, she didn't, she didn't take it that far, but she did let me know I was sitting in the wrong seat. Hey, I can't do that. You see what I'm saying though? It's hostility. Yes, it's still part of it. But now, now let's, let's continue with these Clearly, these evidences that people are still living in the, in the flesh. Outbursts of anger, jealousy, quarreling. Is that happening? Yes. In the church? Yes. Is it happening? I, I'm un, unfortunately, I'm going to confess to you, it's happened in my home in the last week. I'm just saying. <laughs> I got a little mad. See, look, look. See the way they are? Weren't even there. Bearing false witness. That's another one on the lip. Bearing false witness. I'm just saying, hey, I know I'll have at least two up at this altar call at the end. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, but think about that. Yes, th- and, and see, we can, we can have a little levity about it, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is there's no excuse for it. I can have a little levity about it, but there's no excuse for it. If I'm still getting angry, if I'm still quarreling, if I still look upon other people and kind of covet or be jealous about what they have, that's a problem. And it doesn't happen just because I'm a pastor, I'm a leader of a church, just because I've been a Christian all of these years. Just be, that, that's even worse. Amen. It's even worse. God doesn't excuse that. God has a higher expectation on me and for you. Why? Because, you know why? Because He knows what He's placed in us. Amen. He knows what He's placed in us. He knows what the potential is. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone, I'm going to say that word again, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. No qualification there. He said anyone who's living that kind of lifestyle ain't going to get it into, ain't getting into heaven. Did I make that up? It says it right there. Yeah, but Tony, grace. Grace allows you not to live that way. Hallelujah. So if you're living that way, you have a way out. Jesus, by his grace, by his mercy, he paid the price so that you can have a way out. You can live another way. I'm going to jump now to verse 22 of the same chapter. But the fruit, there you go, hallelujah. But the fruit, and see, I, I emphasize that, the evidence That word is mine, but it's the same. That's why I'm saying that to you. But the evidence or the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You can't be convicted of any crime. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Oh, I love this. Listen, this is one of the first things that Christ says, right, As, as it relates to being his disciples. If you would be my disciple... Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Thank you, Michael. Pick up your cross. So what is he saying? 
Crucify your flesh. Consistent again. God is so consistent. He doesn't change his mind. His word will never change. He's so consistent. And he just keeps letting us know what it is and hear what it is. We need to crucify the flesh. We need to put our own flesh to death. Why? Because of its lusts and desires. Does that mean, Tony, I'm supposed to kill myself? No, you know what it means. But you're, suppo- you're called to produce fruit. So the question then becomes, are you fruity? fruity. <laughs> are you fruity? I got a few fruits in here. God wants spiritual fruit, remember, but not spiritual nuts. Uh, we don't need any spiritual nuts. But are you fruity? And uh, the first one that is mentioned, and I believe that it's specific, and I believe the Holy Spirit did that on purpose, is love. Spirit is love. I think Michael shared with me one time, he heard a young minister say something about, without love, the others are impossible. And I, I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with that. If you don't have love, and, I'm gonna, and I'll share with you why right now. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So why is it that love without, the others are, are impossible without love? That's right. Because God is love. So if you don't have love, you're having those spiritual fruit, you, you can't have anything else. Why? Because all of that, see, remember what Jesus said in John. He said, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He says, you can't do anything without me. The fruit that we produce, it originates with him and then comes through us. Thank you, Steve. (laughs) Hallelujah. So now without God, this spiritual fruit can't happen. Hallelujah. So here's 1 John 4, 12 and 13. 1 John is an awesome book when you want to know exactly where God stands, where you stand, and abiding in him, what this is all about, how we know God. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another... God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit, fruit, evidence, right? He's given us of his spirit. We have his spirit in us, and now we have the fruit, the evidence. When we walk it out, then there's fruit. There's Galatians, we just read it. With God in us, his spirit allowing us, bringing us those fruits, and then we live them out. 1 John four seventeen. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because he is, as he is, so are we in this world. He who? Jesus. So as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Right? Jesus passed the glory that he had onto us. So, and he did everything by the Spirit. Amen? Okay, so Jesus, fully God but fully man, he did total, he walked in obedience to the Father. And because of it, continued to be, operate through by the Spirit, constant, all the time, all the time, strengthened by the Spirit, all the time. All the time, all the time. His, his, his humanness was strengthened by the Spirit, propelled, energized by the Spirit. And he was, because of that, he was able to live that out. He lived according to conviction. His life gave 
evidence of what exactly he believed. He believed that the Father was, there was no one above the Father. And he lived according to the Father. Whatever the Father told him, whatever the Father told him to say, that's what he said. Now, I know that confuses people because I've told you that Jesus is God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all one. I can't explain exactly how that happens. I'm telling you that he was fully God, fully man. One God in three persons. One God, three persons. I don't want you to stumble over that. It says, in him was contained all the Godhead bodily. He is the image of the invisible God. I'm, I can't speak to all of every detail of how God does that. But I'm just telling you right now that he did. In the beginning was the? The Word was with God. The Word was? Okay, one God, one Lord. I, can't, I, I don't want to stay there long, but I don't want you confused either. Jesus walked this earth as a man Full of God. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Jesus was this perfect illustration. This perfect example of love. Right? How many things that he, that he did. All the signs and the wonders. The miracles that he performed. He was compelled because he loved. He loved. How, look at the words that he spoke, the things that he did, he did because he loved the Father. Right? right? He loved the Father. He obeyed the Father. And he showed the love of God to the people. He showed the people how God loved them by treating the people like he treated them, especially those who were mistreated. Right. He loved on them. He provided for them. He gave them the word. He spoke about the kingdom of God. He spoke about how God felt about them. He spoke the truth to them. And he lived, my brothers and sisters, according to that very thing that he was teaching, that he was saying. And he showed them by doing the signs, wonders, and miracles how God really did feel about them when he fed them, when he opened blind eyes, when he cleansed lepers. He was saying, listen, although society would cast you out, God loves you so much... He wants you made well. God is willing that you should be made well instead of casting you aside. You're not like that because of any other, because God has thrown has cast you out, has thrown you down. That's not who God is. God wants to lift you up. God wants to raise you up. God wants you well. God wants you healthy. God wants you listen, not happy. He wants you to have joy. Hallelujah. And this is what Jesus showed, not just told, he showed. But here's the problem that I have now as a modern day minister of the gospel. The world, and you've heard me say this, but I want to get a little bit more specific today. And that is the world has tried to tell us, and now especially our children, what love is. Okay? And, it's, and, and, and the picture is just not there. It's just not, it has nothing to do with God. So if God is love, but they want God out of the culture and they refuse to teach about God, how can they tell me anything about love? Right. How can, it's impossible, right? I mean, it, I'm not even the second smartest guy in the world, not even in this room, and I could figure that out. If they want to teach me something about love, if they want to show me what love is, if they want to show it, exemplify it, if they want to, if they want to, if they want to give me a dissertation about it, but they leave God out, I'm not in. Why? God is love. 
How could you even begin to explain it? How could you begin to show it? How can you begin even to just touch, to scratch the surface of it if you don't mention God? Can't. But that's what's being done. So now our young people have all of these visions and all of these, uh, these, these imaginations about love. And so that, that's why, too, if you look at what the enemy of our soul has been able to do and really uh, fool and, and, and distract and, and, yeah, the culture, but now that culture is in the church, and so now he's even fooled and distracted the church. Again, I'm going to make uh, allude to it again, and that is, so even that the divorce rate in the church is the same as outside the church, so that you even have people in the church not understanding totally that a woman's right to choose does not include killing a baby that's inside of her. Amen. Come on now, what does that have to do with love? Are you kidding me? That's love of self. Not love of that life or God. And, and yet, there are still people in churches who struggle with that. Hey, Tony, I'm just telling you, it's a problem in the church. It's a problem. Same thing when you're younger. I mean, we don't, we, we, we're not as mature about issues. And even when we're young in the Lord, we may not be as mature about certain issues. And, and so what will happen is when pastors or preachers or teachers like me who will stand and say some of these things, well, they're just angry or they're old-fashioned or whatever. My brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. See, God didn't change his standards. But he also didn't stop loving you. He also still has the power and the willingness to forgive and wash away all your sin. Amen. Amen. He still is full of grace and mercy. Hallelujah. The world is defining what love is. So now what? watch. We don't even have a point of reference in the church. What is the point of reference? I know what it should be. I know what the answer is. God is the point of reference. And, and in the person of Jesus Christ, we get to see it uh, illustrated. But really, our young people, what is their point of reference? Let's say in general. If, if I think about the, the, the number of people that have been in and out of this congregation over the period of years, I know so many of them came from broken homes. Uh, you know, homes where there's not a father present. Now listen, if that's your situation, I'm not criticizing you. I'm not being critical of you. I'm just saying, where's the point of reference now of a loving heavenly father? What, how, how does a child, a young person relate to that if they've never witnessed that? In fact, I know of young people who have a hard time because they do have issues, daddy issues. So where's their point of reference? When a, when a minister of the gospel is trying to say, your father in heaven loves you, where's the point of reference for that? Especially when you have the world and everybody else telling them how jacked up they should be. That they show. That they show. Look at just our experiences alone. That being one of them. How about young women who come from broken homes or they come from a home where maybe the father is not treating the mother very well? Maybe young women who have been abused in their lifetime. Where's their point of reference? I... Listen, I cannot pretend to understand any of that. Okay? Uh, I, help me, Lord. My mother and father, and I'm not saying this because she's here, don't say nothing. <laughs> Listen, my mother and father weren't born again when I was a child. But they had a certain standard of morality. 
They raised my sister and I. They took care of us. They made sure we had what we needed. They made sure they were there. I remember they did without so that me and my sister can have. I had a decent point of reference of what love looked like. Even though they weren't born again, I still had a decent point of reference. Now, Tony, that contradicts what you said because you said God is love. And if they didn't know God, how did they know that? There was a certain standard that they did understand. That's what I'm trying to say. There was a certain level of understanding that they had. But now the culture has changed so much because the influence of our, the enemy of our soul and so many things are different now. I, I feel sorry for some of the young people that I run into now over the years. They don't have that same point of reference. Not even that. Let alone being raised in a Christian home, which I wasn't. But let alone, my brothers and sisters, they don't even have that. So what is the point of reference? So now you take that same young person and then you start putting them on the street where they have some people who will care for them, but it happens to be a gang person. I shared with you uh, Francis Chan. A long time ago I heard him say this, that there was a guy who was a gang member who started going to their church. And that was when, back when Francis Chan had the big church before he you know, re resigned from his big church position. And he, and he noticed that the guy wasn't coming anymore. He asked one of his elders or one of the leaders, and they said, well, they talked to him, and the, the young man said that he didn't have the same family-type atmosphere or the same family-type feeling in the church as he had with the gang. Yep. Come on. So, so his point of reference was reversed, Right? Right? So my brothers and sisters, that's, that's why it's important that we go to church. It's important that we love on each other. And it's important that no matter what, you know, how they look, how they smell, what they're doing, that, that doesn't matter. They may not be able to get up on this platform or have a leadership role in the church. They may not be working in the nursery or teaching our children, but they still are welcome. Everyone is welcome here. Come on! Everyone is welcome here. Everyone. My brothers and sisters... Where is the point of reference? Where is your point? How about, now listen, now I've even talked to speak to some older people who may have had a point of reference and had the advantage that I had, and my wife, by the way, who was raised by, who happened to be Christians at the time, so her point of reference was a little bit better because she was actually raised in a Christian home. And I don't mean that to demean my mother or father in any way. They just didn't have a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. My wife did, and she was raised in, in that kind of home. So her point of reference was, you know, in, that good, in a good direction. But now you look at now as we're getting older, even some of us who have had that, now we're being influenced how? Because we're constantly being bombarded by Madison Avenue, by television shows, by movies, by the pressure of living life, and now all of a sudden we need a little help because, you know what, so maybe I will go ahead and compromise just a little bit and I'll go ahead and, and, and relieve myself this way by, you know, the doctor said I need some, whatever these drugs are, I don't know what they are, and don't yell it out because I really don't care. This pill to calm my nerves. Or this doctor says, you know, I get in these, I have these mood swings, so I'm bipolar. No, maybe you need a demon cast out of you. You know, you, you, you know maybe you need some more of God in you so that you can level off. Well, um, no, because bipolar, you know, and, you know, our kids, we got to go ahead and we got to feed them all of these, this Ritalin because they have ADD and ADHD and all this other stuff. You know what? My parents didn't know anything about ADD, ADHD. Here's what they did know. You're going to sit down and listen or you're going to get a spanking. 
That's what they knew. Now, am I, now, I'm not standing here saying to you that there's no such a thing, and if you're giving your, I'm not saying that, don't leave this, and if you're listening over, I'm not saying these things don't exist, never give your kid a job. I'm not saying that. But have you ever considered what happened? This wasn't, this, this, this didn't happen before. So, so what's happening now? Are you with me? Hallelujah. No, man, it's, it's all this point of reference. It's, it's the enemy taking us someplace where we don't need to go, and it's in the church. So as a pastor, i got to say, listen, we don't need this in the church. We're exceptional. How are we exceptional? See, that's the kind of language that turns everybody off. No, we all are exceptional if we choose to be. How do I know that? God so loved the world. God so loved who? The world. The world. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever. Now you're the exception. If you are the whosoever that accepts him, if you are the whosoever that believes in him, there you go. You're the exception. Hallelujah. See, that stuff is changing and that ticks off a lot of people. I'm sorry. I can't help it. He died for you just like he died for me. I chose to recognize his love for me and love him back. If you're not there yet, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're not there yet. I'm going to pray for you. Okay. Our experiences, these experiences that we have, and now this social media that's attacking and telling the kids what they should believe, and even older people what to believe, how to believe it, stuff that they're writing, texts and stuff. It's really easy to text a nasty message, but get face-to-face with somebody and have to tell them the same thing. That's a little different. It's real easy to get up on that Facebook and all these other things, and some of the pictures that these young ladies put of themselves, some of these things that we're seeing on, and I don't look, as I I'm told, as I don't look, I don't care to look. I don't really care about it. My brothers and sisters, I do care about it from this regard. The influence that it's having on the church. Amen. I'll tell you this, this love thing, it, it just absolutely has blown me away as to what the church's perception of what love is. And the things that we allow ourselves. Segregated churches still. You know, if, if this church don't believe exactly the same way that church is, we can't have nothing to do with them. Come on, that's right. That doesn't sound like love to me. No. That's divisions. It's named in there. That's, right. that's divisions. No, no, no. That, that's, that's that, no. But see, we're allowing all of this stuff to affect us on, inside the walls of the church. It, we're allowing this stuff to, the culture is just, you know, it's, been, it's so super saturated out there. And we, we live out there and we let it in our homes. If you have cable TV, it's being pumped into your home. If you're on the internet, it's being pumped on your computer. If you have a cell phone now, you don't even have to have a personal computer anymore. If you have a cell phone now, it's attacking your cell phone. Oh, you know, and our kids, I don't, man, I, my, I, these young kids that have these cell phones, it's right on there. All of this outside influence. I'm going to tell you when this really got on to me. Um, last week, um, say I can't. After church, we had we celebrated Rachel and Michelle's birthday, my daughter and my wife, and then we went shopping. And I noticed when we went into these stores shopping, which I just love. <laughs> no, that's proof that I love my wife. Even the other day, I'm so happy with myself. Even the other day, what do you want to do? What do you want to, I don't know. Hey, let's go. I'll, I'll take you. We, ha- we haven't been to Citrus Park in a while. Let's go to the mall. I hate going to the mall, but, that, but let's go to the mall because I know she likes to shop. So let's go shopping. Thank God. She saw through it. She said, nah, let's do something else. Hallelujah. God is good. 
No, but think, but, but think about this. We're, we're shopping, and then I guess they're celebrating Pride Month or whatever. And, and on these signs, and they're doing these promotions which talk about love and unity. So the inference is that, you know, that kind of love is fine and that we should love them and we should all be united and all this other stuff. Yeah, we do love them, but we don't love the lifestyle. Okay? So, so now watch. That flies in the face of the Word of God. And it's supersaturating every part of society and culture right now. Every, every part of it. Okay? But, but let, me, let me just add this to you, Okay? The only reason why I'm bringing up this specifically is because they're mentioning love. And that happens to be the fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about today. So now, again, that's one of those things, one of those examples of what our kids are being told what love looks like. So love not only looks like you can have this, you can love yourself, you, you love yourself, you love a same-sex person and have that kind of relationship, or you could love this or that, or you know whatever the case may be, and you accept it, that's also love, to accept that. That's also love. That's not what Scripture teaches. And then anyone who preaches like I preach, well, and that's, again, it's all designed to fly in the face of Christianity. And then we're labeled intolerant. I want to say something to you now and take this to the bank. Love does not equal tolerance. Did you hear that? Love does not equal tolerance. In fact, I'm going to show you the opposite. If you're tolerating something that will take somebody to hell, how could you love them? 2 Corinthians 11, just listen to me. Write it down, check me out later. It's not going to be on the screen, but just please listen. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to the church at Corinth through the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 11, 2 to verse 4. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he comes preaching another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Did you hear what, you hear what he said? You may well put up with it. That's what he's saying. You're going to tolerate it. See, I'm, I'm concerned now. Because I've married you to Christ. I've presented the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm presenting you as his chaste virgin. See, and when he says, I'm jealous, he's not saying that he has, he has a, the, the, the Apostle Paul has attack of the green monster. He's not saying that. He's saying, you shouldn't be shared. You, you should not be shared. You're the husband, I mean, the wife of one husband. You're the chaste version. You've been betrothed to one. That is Christ. Amen. But now I'm concerned for you because I see, I see, see, Paul is saying, there's, there's some evidence there's, there's some evidence that if someone comes in there and starts teaching and preaching or saying some different things, you're going to tolerate it. If he's warning them then, what is the message to us today? Come on, Come on now. Hallelujah. 
Now let's go back. I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians 10. This will be on the board, beginning in verse 5. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Who's he talking about? The Israelites. He's talking about when he delivered them from Egypt, and then they were in the, in the wilderness before they went into the promised land. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Did you see what he just said? Well, that was Old Testament, Tony. I'm glad. He's saying that is our example. That is an example to us. That we shouldn't lust after the evil things. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up early to play. Remember that? What did that what, when was that? That was when Moses was taking a little bit too long coming down. And, they met, and of course, all the jewelry jumped into the fire and a darn golden calf came right out of it. Wouldn't you know? Isn't that the excuse that Aaron gave? And they started worshiping that. They came, see? And it was, they were doing what, what they were shown in Egypt, worshiping these idols. And you have these parties and orgies and all this other stuff going on. They were doing what they were showed. They had that point of reference. And that's what they were going back to. Are you with me? All right. Verse 8. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. But there was a total of actually 24,000 in two days. 24,000 fell. I'm going to show you now what, what the Apostle or the Holy Spirit is referencing through Paul in this. It's Numbers 25. Israel remained in the Akashia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the woman of Moab. They're circling in the desert. Now they're right there getting ready to cross over into the Promised Land, and they're in the land of Moab getting ready to cross in. Right? They've already had all this experience with God. They see signs, wonders, and miracles. God feeds them. He gives them manna from heaven. He makes water pour out of rocks. He, he closed in the Red Sea on Pharaoh's army. So they're having this, they, they see the mighty works of God. They, they saw God. They witnessed God firsthand. They didn't even want to, they, they wanted Moses to go up because God was so powerful and awesome when he was delivering them the, the, the message, when they, he was delivering them the law, the, the, the mountain was lightnings and, and dark clouds and thick smoke and the voice of God was speaking to them and they, Moses, you go talk to him. He's, he's scaring us. They witnessed the power of God. And now they're getting ready to get into that land that was promised to them. They're sitting in Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, the Moabites. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. The Israelis ate and bowed down to the Moabite gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord says to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn them away from Israel. Are you kidding me? God will not tolerate that. Then there was even one who was so bold that he took one of the harlots of the Midianites and he took, right in front of everybody, took her into his tent. Now Phineas, who was the grandson of Aaron, was so incensed, 
He was so angered by that, that this open, he did it in front of Moses and everybody. This person did it in the wide open in front of any, everybody. And, and Phineas became so incensed, he so, and he went in and he killed that Israelite with that woman right now. Then the Lord spoke to Moses in verse 10. Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel with my zeal. You hear that? Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Did you hear that? Okay, listen. Phineas was not willing to tolerate that in the camp. He went ahead and he took care of it. But you see how God, because he was not willing to tolerate it, now all of a sudden, he, listen, God made a covenant of peace with him and his descendants. What are you tolerating in your camp? What are you tolerating? What are we tolerating in our camp? I'm not worried that God is going to smite me right here and right now. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. But I'm certainly not going to scoff at the very grace by which I have the room to walk under. My brothers and sisters, listen, this is why our children are suffering. This is why the church is not being built. The church is declining. Because we'll go ahead and we'll accept all of these cultural things into the church. The churches are not growing. They're just stealing people from other churches for the most part. And the ones that are growing with the young people are the young people really understanding a message like this. Are they, listen, see this is, hallelujah. We have to be willing, listen, to make the tough step. We have to be willing. I'm so glad that my mother and father, even when they didn't know the Lord, disciplined me. It didn't always work, but most of the time it did. They gave me a point of reference. They gave, they, that, that discipline gave me a point of reference. Are you with me? When I strayed from that point of reference, I knew it. Come on now. Hey, shh. come on. I love this. It shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of everlasting priesthood. How awesome is that? Why? Because he was not willing to tolerate that kind of sin in the camp. I can't, I can't look away. I can't turn away. To the church, Revelation 2, 4, 4 through 6, just, just check this out later, okay? This is the church at Ephesus. He's already told them what he liked about it. But now what, look, look at what the Lord is saying. Because I know some of you say, well, that's Old Testament, Tony. Revelation is in the New Testament. In fact, you know, it, uh, yeah, I love the way Francis Chan puts it. He says, yeah, God really mellowed out. Have you read Revelation? L look at this now. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. 
You're not willing to put up with that. You've put up with some things, and that's why I'm giving you this warning. You need to repent. Repent, or I'm going to take the Spirit from you. The church of Thyatira. These things says the Son of God. This is in 2, 18 and 20. He who has eyes like a flame of fire, his feet like fine brass, I know your works, long service, faith, your patience, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow, you read that? You allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat the things sacrificed to idols. My brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church. And now look, he's addressing sexual immorality in the church. Do we have sexual immorality in the church? Yes, we do. Is God okay with it? No. No. Does he want me or any other minister, any other pastor or leader of a church, does he want us to allow it? No. No. Why aren't these big churches getting in the pulpits and saying, you have to stop having sex out of marriage? Hmm. Homosexual relationships are sinful. It's an abomination to God. Why won't they say it? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, we cannot allow this. We cannot allow it. We can't talk. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to take the Phineas step. I'm not going to throw a javelin through anybody. In fact, I'm telling you, come. If you are suffering with these things, if you're, if you're being totally in bondage or, or enslaved by these things, come and learn how to get free. But don't ask me to stop preaching against it so that you can feel comfortable when you're here. If you're a little uncomfortable when you're here, that's okay. If you're a liar, I'm going to tell you there's no place in heaven for you either. You know how? Know why I could say that? Because he said it. That's why. I'm just telling you. i got to tell you. So I can't allow that. That doesn't mean I'm going to throw you out of the church. You may never have a position in this church, but I'm not going to throw you out. I'm going to keep ministering to you. I'm going to love on you. And when you lie, I'm going to call you out. That's the javelin that I'm going to throw. That's the spear that I'm going to throw. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to mention it to you. And I'm going to mention it in love because God loves you. I'm not going to beat you about the head and shoulders, but I'm going to have to tell you. Why? I can't allow it. He won't allow it. And you know why else? I love you too much. I allow that. You go to hell. I'm not going to allow it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, it's tough. Have you ever had to talk to somebody? Well, let me put let me it this way. As um, leaders on the job, some of you may uh, be uh, supervisors. Have you ever had to reprimand anybody on your staff? It's not comfortable, is it? You don't like doing it, do you? But you have to. What happens if you don't? They're going to do the same thing, and you're going to have to fire them, or you're going to have to get fired by your boss because you're not doing your job. But something's got to happen. Come on now. There's going to be a result of you not having that conversation or you not going ahead, but by you allowing or tolerating that, whatever it is, you're being a detriment or you're allowing that, that thing to be detrimental to the company, to your department, or wherever it is. How about your children? Let me ask you something. If you saw your child doing something that you knew was absolutely going to be harmful to their health, would you, do it? Would you let them do it? And that's such a silly question, isn't it, Angela? Isn't that a silly question? If you saw Isabella or Dominic picking up a cigarette, would you stop them? Of course you would. Why? Because you love them. 
The cigarette is harmful to them. So why is it any different when it comes to the spiritual things? Why is it that, you know, we'll tell our children not to smoke. We'll tell our children they have to go to school. But when it comes to the things of God, we'll zip it up. Or we'll expect in the church for people that are in the authority, the church leaders and pastors. We're not going to go to the church that a pastor may preach a message like I'm preaching today. But we'll go to the other one where they're talking about how great everything is and how good it is. And, and the, are they great? Are they good? God is great. God is great. This world stinks. Oh, that's a very, listen, come on now. That, see, those guys that preach those God, you know, everything's great, they say that I'm an angry preacher. I'm, I'm serious. That's what they'll say. Well, that, you're sitting under an angry preacher. I'm not angry. I'm angry at sin. I'm angry at the enemy. But man, I'm so happy and have joy in the Lord. I'm so happy and I have joy that I have this church family. And I'm so happy that I have some people who no matter how tough the message is, they stick because they understand. And I'm so happy that I have some of you that understand are willing to also take it to your homes, take it to your family, take it to the people that are around you. That doesn't mean that I come up to someone and, and thrust them through with a spear and say, yeah, you're going to get right. No. First thing. Love. Amen. Love. Love. It's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. Not your punishment. Not the javelin. Right? It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. Anybody can come in here. I wish they would. Love. 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 Yeah, yeah, the Old Testament was so harsh. God's the same. He's the same. Remember the woman that was caught in adultery? Jesus, he, he didn't intervene until he was asked. And when he was asked, he said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Right? And then one by one, they walked away. And remember, she was left. He looks, she, you know, and remember I showed you, I mean, she, she had to be cowering. and She's just waiting for that first rock to be thrown, just knowing that she's gone. But no, never happens. And I can see her kind of peeking up. And then Jesus is saying, woman, where are your accusers? There are none, Lord. Neither do I accuse you. Go, sin no more. Go, grace got you covered. No, go, sin no more. How about that guy that was sitting by the pool of Bethesda? He was laying, actually, by the pool of Bethesda. And they thought, you know, when the angel, you know, uh, troubled the waters, the first guy in or the first person in got healed. Remember that story? I think it's John chapter 8-ish. I can't remember off the top of my head. Forgive me. But anyway, remember, Jesus said, do you, do you, want, do you want to be made well? Oh, yeah, that's why I'm sitting by this pool. <laughs> yes, but I don't have anybody to throw me in. <laughs> when, when someone stirs the water, I would have said, I'll throw you in, brother. <laughs> just get up on your side. I'll just roll you right in there. No. But, but what, listen, what, Jesus healed him. After Jesus heals him, he goes away. He goes off. So the man never really gets to, to really see who Jesus was, who it was. He really didn't understand who exactly he was talking to. And so then later on, Jesus says, see, you're made well. And he, he said, yeah. And, and this is what Jesus said to him. Go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Did you hear that? Go, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. 
Is Jesus threatening him? No. Jesus loved him. He healed him in the first place. He's warning him. He's telling him, God does not allow sin. That's not to be tolerated. Go and sin no more because when you sin, when you live outside of those things, when you live and you're doing those things that God will not tolerate, you're subject to whatever comes on you. You're, you're opening yourself up. Love is the most important piece of evidence that we have as it relates to us being Christians. If someone was going to convict me of being a Christian, they better be able to prove love and not the love that the world sees, an uncommon love. A love that says, I don't care how you feel about me. I don't care how it benefits me. Listen, I don't even care if you get mad at me for telling you the truth. But I love you too much not to tell you the truth. I love you too much not to tell you when you're doing wrong. Again, I'm not going to throw the javelin at you. But if I don't tell you, how can I say I love you? Who are you? Listen. What are you tolerating? First thing I got to do is what am I tolerating here? That's what I really got to do. I got to inspect this, my own body. I'm poor. For those who listen to us on the internet, I'm pointing to my own body. What am I tolerating here? I got to start there. What am I allowing? What am I putting before my eyes? I saw a quote, uh, I can't remember if it was yesterday or today, but it said something, it went something like this. If you're having to delete or erase or I can't remember the, what else was, um, what you're looking at or what you're hearing before someone else hears it or sees it, then you probably shouldn't, shouldn't be listening to it or seeing it yourself. Yeah, it's common, it's common sense, but when I read it, it was like, wow, that is pretty profound. So again, what am I allowing here? What am I allowing? Number two, what am I allowing in my home? Now, that doesn't mean that I'm all of a sudden a Phineas and I'm, I'm picking up a whip or a spear and I'm going to whip the first person or the first thing that I don't like. I'm just going to you know, blow a gasket about it. No. Remember, love. Love says I have to do something about it, but love also says there's grace, there's mercy, there's kindness, and he taught me, right? It's your kindness that leads to change. Right? Am I losing you? No. And then I look at the people that God has put in my atmosphere. Being led by the Spirit, what do I allow? I may not be able to change anybody. In fact, I know I can't change anybody. But he can. So now, if I'm around people, am I giving them proof or evidence of a spirit that's living inside of me. And if I am, fantastic. Then I have to be also bold enough. Remember that word, bold. We have courage. We have strength to be willing to say the hard thing, but in love. Right? 
Amen? That's, my brothers and sisters, that's love. And don't let anybody in the future talk to you, convince you, or our children that love means that you have to tolerate everything and anything. That's not what love is. It's totally opposite. I'm so glad that God loved me enough to change me. Amen. I'm so glad that God loved me enough to have people witness to me so that I could hear a gospel and then repent and, and change my way. How about you? Amen? Amen. Listen, if you need help with anything, please don't leave the building today until we get together and pray. Let's, let's agree in prayer. If you, if you, I would love to pray with you, and we have other people who would love to pray with you. That would be great. But let's, can, can we do this? Can we just agree as a congregation? You don't have to come up front, but let's, can, can we just agree uh, as a congregation for God to take us to this next level, for God to, to not only allow us to see these things that are happening around us, but for God to give us the boldness and the courage, the wisdom to walk in his way to combat these things so that we could help others that way. To walk in love, truly to walk in love. Amen? So we're going to pray a prayer and agree in that.